0: The hit podcast Up and Vanished is coming to TV on Oxygen, the true network for crime. Join host Payne Lindsay each week as he takes on new mysterious missing persons cases across America. When Payne started the Up and Vanished podcast, he set out to explore the 2005 disappearance of a Georgia high school teacher and former beauty queen. The podcast heated up the conversation around the cold case and two arrests were eventually made. Now, after two seasons and more than 340 million downloads, the Up and Vanished team are headed to Oxygen. And these new cases are just as gripping as the original podcast. Don't miss Up and Vanished, new episodes Saturdays at 7, 6 Central, and watch the first episode for free on the Oxygen app, only on Oxygen, the true network for crime.
1: The following episode took place in April 2018, updated with information from the present day.
2: So one side note, and it's just a random note. So remember that in one of the episodes, and Jaden, I'm sure, remembers too, that when he was in Colorado to talk to um, the Spots? Right. And you were in California because that's where his phone pinged? Right. He was sitting on the couch by the door when Jaden was in Colorado.
0: Mary, Chris Spots' fiancé, is discussing the day that Jaden flew to Fort Morgan, Colorado to try to speak to Chris Spots while he was still alive. And Chris's mother Jade asked Jaden to come back the next day.
2: He literally was on the couch and we weren't sure if he actually had seen him or not. And we were like, no, just come back tomorrow. That was the reason that like she didn't talk to Jaden that day, is because Chris was sitting on the couch.
0: The whole reason Jaden didn't show up the next day is because Chris Morez was saying, She's lying to you, he's in Santa Monica.
2: Yeah, I think I remember somebody saying that really on really un- like unbelievable. What if, like, what if he actually came back? Because she literally had a conference the next morning and she'd be back by, like, around 12 or 1. So many different turns like this could have taken, and it didn't.
1: I'm
0: a big supporter of Ring. Ring, in addition to being one of this podcast's first sponsors, is also making my home safer. I literally have Ring doorbells and floodlights on all of the doors to my home. And from every angle, I can literally see who is approaching my home at any time at all hours. Not only that, with the Ring app, I gave someone else who I trust my password so they can see as well in case I need to know anything may sound like I'm paranoid, but if you're doing this podcast, and especially the next season of this podcast, you're dealing with some people who are capable of anything. So Ring helps you stay safe and connected to your home anywhere in the world. And also, it's just convenient. If there's a package delivery or a surprise visitor, you get an alert and you're able to see, hear, or speak to them all from your phone. As a subscriber to this podcast, there's a special offer on a Ring Welcome Kit, available right now at ring.com lost. The kit includes a video doorbell and a Chime Pro which is just what you need to start building a ring of security around your home today. Go to ring.com/lost. That's ring.com/lost. Something I often tell people is that we're too close to ourselves to see ourselves clearly, meaning that we are often not the best judge of our own problems and our own solutions to them because for the most part we created them. So one of our sponsors is BetterHelp and they offer online counseling. What's really cool about them is it's not just going to a therapist's office. They offer text, chat, phone and or video. So you can talk to a therapist any way you want to. I really do think it's important that everyone has someone to talk to who doesn't say have a personal stake or relationship with that person. Getting outside professional trained counseling is really important for whatever you're struggling with, be it depression, stress, anxiety, intimacy and relationship issues, sleeping, trauma, anger, family issues, grief. There's so many good reasons to see a therapist. And I can tell you that almost everyone in this podcast who's dealing with trauma, I've suggested workshops and therapists to them as well. So BetterHelp has over 3,000 licensed therapists across 50 states in the U.S., so as a listener to this podcast, you get 10% off your first month of counseling at betterhelp.com/live. That's betterhelp.com/live. When you get there, there's a questionnaire and they take themselves seriously. It's not a couple of generic questions. It's a semi-detailed questionnaire so they can match you with a therapist who's right for you. Again, go to betterhelp.com/live. Chapter 26. A quiet country lane. you have your gun with you? I'm
3: not uh, carrying
0: it at the moment. Well, of all the days to forget your gun? I don't have it. Oh, okay. I just usually don't sit with it. Likewise. I don't want to grab it six hours in the car. Jaden and I are in Wheatland, California, and arriving at the home of Chris Merez, the biological father of Chris Spatz. We're retracing Chris Spatz's exact movements from February 23rd, 2018 the day he picked up the fellow acting student he was having an affair with, Ideya Shabani, and then took her on a seven-hour drive to his father's house from which she never returned. What's significant about this part of our route is that we believe that Adeya Shabani was killed somewhere near Chris Marez's property, if not on it. So we're calling Chris Morez in order to meet with him in person for the first time and try to find out what really happened.
3: This is Chris from If you'd like to leave a message, do so, and I'll get back to you, and have a blessed day.
0: So we'll give him a few minutes. So you just sit here and wait a couple minutes, or just start driving, or?
3: Yeah, I guess, where's the?
0: We wait a few minutes for Chris Merez to call back, then continue following Chris Potts' drive. With Google Timeline, it's possible to track his movements minute by minute. So we're able to get a very detailed snapshot of Chris Spatz's activity in the area. And at 7.53 p.m., Chris Spotts drives past the access road to his father's house and doesn't stop. And we believe, based on the additional fact that Chris Spotts only stopped briefly at two gas stations on the way up here, that Adeya Shabani is still in the car with him. He passed Chris Morez's house by pretty far it looks like because he went around this corner and made the U-turn, right? Right, so he went all the way up Mm -hmm. here around the
3: left turn. Right. basically kind of the the end of the horn.
0: This far? Yeah. So let's time that distance to Chris Morez's because this, you're not accidentally passing your dad's place at this point. No,
3: so we're gonna be about less than a mile. So we're 0.7 miles from Chris Merez's place. Okay, but he overshot it by decent amount. Oh, by almost a mile. But at night, you gotta remember, I mean, if it's late, it's
0: gonna be dark. At this spot where Jaden and I are driving, Chris Spots makes a U-turn and passes by his father's house again. We're examining Chris Spots' movements in such minute detail because if something did indeed happen to a day up here, every turn and every move tells us something. Because prior to this trip, Nobody, neither Chris Potts nor Chris Merez, ever said that a day was up this far north. Yet it was up here that her body was found.
3: All right, so we're back to Chris Merez. So that's Chris Merez's house right there to the right.
0: He overshoots the house this time by more than a mile and a half. At first, it seems like he's lost. So he's driving back now, saying, trying to find my dad's.
3: Maybe. Or maybe he's driving, She's asleep. maybe she's asleep. If you remember, was this, I think this is it right here on the right, I think.
0: But then he passes a random driveway, turns around, and pulls into it. And this looks desolate.
3: So we think this is it,
0: right? Right. So let's see, there's a sign here that says, what? Private Pheasant Club. He drives about 350 yards toward what appears to be a shooting club and private residence. Then he stops and sits there parked for 21 minutes. It's worth noting that according to the Google map, after about 12 minutes, Chris's activity in and around the truck appears to increase. What are possibilities for him pulling off here on this kind of double lane? The possibility is this is where he
3: actually committed the murder. One, I would say alternate possibility would be Uh, You know, prior to arriving at Dad's, uh, some sort of romantic
0: encounter. Maybe just an argument. Jaden looks up the owners of the residence at the top of the long driveway and calls them.
3: Yeah. Um, Yeah, not sure if you're familiar with, uh, it was a homicide case down in Los Angeles, but it actually occurred up in, in this area. Did you hear Not about
4: that
3: case? really, no. I'm up here today just uh, looking into a few things. Are, are you available to meet for just a second?
4: Yeah, I suppose so.
3: Okay, great. Are you at your residence now?
4: Yes, we just got back
3: in.
0: We enter the driveway that Chris spots parked in on February 23rd. And we meet with the family that owns the property.
3: So, why we're here is because we're trying to piece this together, we right. got some new information, and uh, we actually discovered that he pulled down your driveway, uh, not very far, uh, about uh, two-tenths of a mile, and he stopped there uh, for, well, exactly 21
4: minutes. <laughs> and um, You know more about it than I. <laughs> how we know okay. that
3: is, is the, the danger of the cloud. <laughs> yes. which keeps tracks of all of us.
4: We have people pull in the lane not realizing it's a private driveway. Mm-hmm. It's not an uncommon occurrence, so that happens yeah. regularly, occasionally. They don't leave trash out there so often anymore. But yeah. what time of day was it? It's about eight o'clock at night. Oh, I was say, because sitting here, yeah, you could see headlights if there were headlights. Okay. But that's about it. Um, the 23rd, I have on my calendar, there's a legal services dinner that we probably were cooking for. If yeah. if I drive in or out the lane and somebody's there, I always stop them. What's the it.
3: usual person that pulls in there and just stops?
4: Somebody, a guy who's had too much beer needs to pee. <laughs> I have come across a couple of kids... Finding a private place? Yeah, that's what, what I mean. what they thought was private? Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> or, kind of what I was, was thinking midday. About. And more so, than likely I would have been home.
0: But like I said, I mean, nine yeah. times out of 10, we don't even know but anybody's here until they knock on the door. Uh, his biological father is, do you know someone named Chris Merez who lives up here?
4: Uh, the name sounds familiar. I, I can't picture them offhand. No. Uh, the, the name rings a bell, but nobody of.
0: The driveway is about three-quarters of a mile long. So we'll follow, follow you, yeah. thanks. Okay. So we get in Jaden's truck and follow the owner to the exact spot where Chris Spotts parked that night. Yeah, I think we said it was between three, five and six. So it would be... just to confirm this, because we didn't ask it directly, LAPD ne- never came out here and talked to you or a local sheriff.
4: It's, no, I'm... Um personally acquainted with the
0: local sheriff uh, and well acquainted with him and with the local DA. It's a shame we weren't here right after because you could just see the tracks so clearly. Right. It's a gravel driveway surrounded on both sides by an empty field. The area where Chris Bot stopped is just beyond a small rise in the driveway that conceals it from the main road. But it's also far enough from the house at the other end of the driveway that it's not visible from there either. And though I've been describing it as a driveway, because there's no gate or real markings around it, at night, it can just as easily look like a quiet country lane.
4: Somewhat sheltered from Oh, this is very private. I mean,
3: I think once you come in this far, you're enough off the street. I mean, we'd have to see a car go by, but boy, I don't think anybody would think twice about
4: and at right. 8 o'clock at night, he would realize there's lights down. There would be lights on by that time in February. But
0: that's pretty far. I probably came home that night about 9 o'clock. Yeah. Wow. I'm most Just likely. Nervous. At 9 o'clock, you came home. 40 minutes. That like span of 40 minutes. Had I been driving by. Yeah.
4: Had I, because I would have stopped and that would have interrupted whatever. And mm. So this is all the help I can give. Yeah, you no, know, we
0: appreciate it. At 8.21 p.m., Chris Potts pulls out of this driveway and texts his father. Then he heads directly to his dad's property. Again, the details here seem significant. He drives up the access road and into his father's driveway, then immediately turns around and heads back the way he came. Either he's lost again, or maybe trying not to be seen from the main house. He then calls his father and starts driving back toward the house. And here's what's strange. Instead of taking a right and parking in his dad's driveway, he takes a left and pulls into an empty field directly across the access road from the house. And he parks in the middle of it.
3: No, I think what's really interesting is that he pulls in to the dad's street. He stops there and even turns around a bit, right? He backs up a bit. Then he calls his dad, and then immediately proceeds to what appears to be driving to this field.
0: And what you're saying is his dad told him to do that? Well,
3: I think, yeah, it's either his dad said, you know, pull into the right to the field, or, you know, uh, I'll meet you at the field, or he said, I'm gonna pull over into the field, meet me over there, whatever it is. It, it, It takes it from being a secret trip to the field to maybe conceal something from his dad to being a more, you know, deliberate act in conjunction with his dad. I think that's the difference. Good point. And it's as simple as that phone call prior to getting to his house. That's, that's the thing.
0: Jaden's words hit me hard. I think because I'd heard only negative things about Chris Merez, and mostly positive things about Chris Spotts, from people who knew them both, I was leaning in another direction prior to this trip. But now that I'm here, it's starting to seem more and more like this may not be a question of whether Chris Spotts or Chris Merez did it, but a scenario involving both Chris Spotts and Chris Merez. The moment after Chris Spots parks, his Google GPS tracking stops. And for the next few hours, the data is very sporadic. But whenever it does flash on, we can see Chris spots moving back and forth from the field to around Chris Merez's house to around the neighbors' homes. Oh, you were talking about how GPS might be different than the cell signal? How does that work? What about when he's up at his dad's house, we lose two or so hours of GPS information? I mean, that's weird. I don't know. I don't have an explanation for that. Here's another argument. Chris Spots is only turning on his phone when he needs to make a call. He gets to his dad's. His dad says, "Your phone on. You're an idiot." He's only turning on the call when he needs to make a call. That's probably a pretty good explanation. One thing that we know happens here is that Chris Spots' mother, who's been calling and texting worried about him, calls when his phone is on, and he speaks with her for two minutes just to let her know he's okay. However, he doesn't tell her where he is or what he's doing. This is at 8.54 p.m. There's only one number that Chris Spatz calls and only one number that Chris Botts texts during this time. It's the same number and it doesn't appear on his phone bill at all for the month until this point. At 10.26 p.m., he calls this mysterious number which is in the 424 area code for Los Angeles, twice. And then he tries it again, 20 minutes later. It's not clear whether he reaches this person or not, but 40 minutes later, Chris Botts texts this number.
3: When were those calls at? 1026 and 1047. Oh man, dude, those are so, those are the critical
0: calls. How long were the calls for him? Let will check that right now. Can we track where that fall phone is? Yeah. I mean, if we track it now and it says it's at this spot, we just drive to that spot. Right, but chances are, like, why would it be a 424 number? Because you don't live in the 424 area, code. So he calls, it's a one-minute call, 1026. And the other one? They're both at 1026, one minute, one minute, one minute. They're all one minutes, 1026 and 1047. While Jaden traces the phone, I try the number but I get an automated voicemail greeting, followed by a message that the mailbox is full. So I call Mary to see if she has any idea who that number might belong to. She thinks it may be a secondary number for Chris Merez. I then speak with Jade, Chris Spotts' mother, and she has another theory.
2: Okay, I believe that he is Samuel Merez in the and he is Chris's older brother. I only met him one time when Chris was like nine and I took him to California, to Sacramento. He had just been released out of prison. He was in prison um, when he was a youth. He was involved in a murder.
0: Jay doesn't have Sam's number and doesn't recognize the 424 number. So this is just speculation. But it's based on the fact that just before his final trip from Colorado to California, Chris Spotts mentioned Sam Rez to his mom. Our
3: 424 number, the mystery number that he called twice, came back, Verizon, burner phone. And, uh, Prepaid, no name, no address, no identifying information. So it's one of the ones, you buy the card. Those
0: are the last two calls. And it's a burner phone, like. And Mary said she checked her phone bill, there were no other calls to that phone. Jaden and I are back on Google Maps trying to determine exactly what time Chris Spotts leaves his father's and where he goes next. We know that he checks into a hotel in nearby Sacramento just after 4 a.m. But that leaves a large swath of time unaccounted for. First of all, it covers a lot of time, but you can see his overall location history so we can see when he was in Sacramento, other times what he was doing. So maybe we can see if he's been to that area before.
3: Oh yeah, interesting,
0: okay. So here's more trips. So 2018 he went trips to West Hollywood, Malibu, Culver City, Sacramento. We can see how much he was in a day as too, which is quite a bit almost every day. But I mean, according to this, he's never been to his dad's before this stuff, right? Mm. I don't know if that's true or not.
3: Well, I mean, either way, it's sort of interesting, right? Because he doesn't go up there all the time. It's interesting that he's up there this time. Like, again, it just goes to show you he was gone for a reason.
0: And that's when we notice that immediately after Chris Botts leaves his father's place, instead of following the main road to his hotel in Sacramento, or even home to Los Angeles, he turns off onto a back road less than 200 meters away from his father's place.
3: Yeah, see, that's what's interesting. Like, what is this? Yeah, there we go. What that might it? be it.
0: It was Camp Far West Road. This road is significant because it leads directly into the Spenceville Wildlife Area. I don't know, but look, that seems like that's the way. Yeah, hold on, we can take another And at 1.20 a.m., as he's going around a bend in the road, Chris spots his Google data suddenly stops again. Coincidentally, in this exact window of time, Mary is repeatedly trying to call Chris. He doesn't answer, or maybe the calls don't go through, and she soon gives up. We might need to check that spot out.
3: Wait, wait, unless that's where he lost data. Okay, wait, that's the river.
0: If you continue following this road, right after the spot where Chris spots phone loses signal, it forks into a dirt road that leads directly to the river, actually a creek, that Jaden is talking about. And it was on the banks of this creek that the body of Edea Shabani was found. I bet if we went down there with my phone, I bet we would like lose
3: signal right there.
0: So basically he never turned off his phone, he just lost signal. He just lost signal.
3: So he did go down that road. That's it.
0: Chapter 27, Horseback People.
3: All right, so there's lots of good spots here to kind of do whatever you want, but we have noticed... Uh, fences on both sides. There are fences on both sides. We also should be... I
0: don't know if there's hunters out here? I mean, here's another thing. It's not an abandoned road. People are coming up and down. it.
3: Right, when they're right finding side. us. Oh, Chris Merez is calling me. Hello? Hello? Hey, Chris. Hello, can you hear me? Hey, Chris, yeah, sorry, it's uh, it's Jaden. Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Okay, I have no signal anymore. Zero. Okay, let me see
0: how little signal I have. We drive back to get phone reception and instantly try Chris Morez. But he doesn't answer, so eventually we press on. Just past the spot where our phones go dead, the pavement ends and we push deeper into the forest along a narrow dirt road. There's nothing on either side of us, just what looks in the moonlight like dark forest for miles, as we approach the spot where Dea Shabani was found. There's no, there's no possibility that anyone outside of Chris Mraz, Chris Spots, or someone who lives here and who knows Chris Mraz. Knows
3: about this location. Right. Yeah, nobody comes out here like this. He,
0: he, yeah, I agree with you. It had to be somebody that knows these roads. This is dark. I mean dark in the sense of like you fucking have a body in your car, you're driving out here at 1 a.m.
3: This is like the worst
0: thing ever. If yeah. you're
3: I agree. Yeah. It's Green Gate. This is us right here. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So this is our Green Gate. Yep. Yeah. So we, we feel like that's it though, right? We gotta go in there and walk, right?
0: Right. Jaden and I arrive at an open, desolate, and overgrown field protected by a barbed wire fence. There's not a single person or car around, except for an old trailer rusting in the middle of the field. There's a metal gate along the side of the dirt road that day's killer or killers must have driven through. All right, so there's a green gate here. They could have even driven through the gate. said, there's a gate, there's a fence, walk through near the river on the left side, we'll find the area. I, mean, I wonder also why you choose this exactly. Okay, we're crossing this kind of fence here. Coming toward the river now. On the far side of the field, just before a muddy creek surrounded by dying trees, there's another fence. This one impassable to vehicles. So at this point, they, pulled, they must have pulled here, Maybe over there? I don't know. I okay. see more rocky. adea must have been unloaded here and then carried just a few yards to her final resting place.
3: Look, right here, that's gotta be it. That's it, because look, it's yeah. dark and light Yeah, right that's, right got to, yeah, that's it's it. 100% of it.
0: Probably parked right there, if not on the roadside, but they probably just drove in,
3: right? They don't want to be seen. Tracks are all the way in where that guy went.
0: Yep, kept the so. headlights shining so they could see what they're doing. Yeah. Um,
3: but this just goes to show that, like, somebody knew this area. I mean, this doesn't seem like you would drive six miles down that dirt road in the middle of the night, hoping to find this location. I mean, the only the only thing is with this is that it's a it is a campground, right. so you do run a risk of having somebody discover it.
0: There's just a small indentation in the ground here where the hole was dug, which has already been filled in with soft soil. There's nothing here, not even a candle, to mark a life that was taken too soon.
3: But somebody could know that the river runs through here on this side and the dirt is soft. And in fact, while this is an easy place to bury, it's gonna get discovered with the water. Like, I don't care if you put her at two-foot depth, it's still going to be a problem at some point.
0: The monstrosity of this act really hits home when we stand over this anonymous burial site in the middle of nowhere, where the body of a Dea Shabani was is supposed to remain concealed from all those who loved her and were worried about her. To even call it a burial site is wrong. It's a dumping spot. And no human being deserves this.
3: Our work here is done. We've, we've, we've located it. I wish we could have located it before she went in there.
0: As Jaden and I take one last look back and prepare to leave the area, we notice a truck pulling into the field. It parks and someone steps out.
3: Excuse me, sir. Excuse me. Sir. Hey, excuse me. Can I ask you a question? He's an old guy. Yeah.
0: And perhaps this person knows something about what this remote area is generally used for and what kind of people know about it. girl's body was found out here. Do you know about that? No, I no, don't. I'm from Reno, Nevada. Oh, God. We were hunting turkeys, so I just.
4: It opens tomorrow for me, so. Oh, oh, oh cool. cool.
0: So, would the only people who know this area be hunters in this area, who stay, who know this area?
4: Boy, a lot
0: of these horseback
4: people, I, they come, you know, they'll be here about noon, ladies with their horses, they, they hmm. keep these goddamn horses and they ride them maybe for an hour and they brush them all down. Man, uh, I grew up on a ranch. Our poor horses
0: If I die, I want to come back as one of those ladies' horses. And so do they, the horses take this path, or are there different paths for the horses? No, so they park right here. This is the only campground in the entire unit. Oh, this is the only campground? Right, yeah. The only one. And how about for the five miles down there? There's other campgrounds, though, right? No more campgrounds. First, so if I could go all the way back to uh, the main road, and this is the only campground?
4: This is the only one. Hmm. Oh, really? And all the
3: rest is state-owned?
4: Spenceville Wildlife Area. Right, we saw that on the way the in yeah. so, Well, that's it. And this this goes clear back to almost to the main highway back there.
0: It really explains a lot. So basically, awesome. this is the only campground. Right, the uh, horse right. folks know this but area. Might, hey, yeah, yeah, and it This somewhere is else. the only
4: place, really, you can pull over. You can't go on any of these other roads. Well,
3: yeah, we, yeah, we noticed because when we went back, we had to go a little bit before
4: we could turn around when we saw you. The, the, I've seen sights here that you can't believe. You'll see a lone gal here with a whole pack of beer over there just getting drunk out of her mind over on the shore. I could see where anything could happen.
0: Given that Chris Morez owns and sells horses, it's very likely he knows this spot so close to his home. But we still need to figure out if there's any possibility that Chris Potts independently knew about this location. From my interviews so far, It seems that Chris Spatz only visited his father in Wheatland one other time, about five months before a day had disappeared. And just for a day, to pick up what his dad described as pre-workout supplements and that kind of shit. But whatever the case may be, I can't even fathom an alternate explanation for why Chris Spatz was in this desolate area in the middle of the night. You've you found a lot of bodies if yes. you've ever been anywhere creepier. Yes. Where? Angel's
3: Crest Highway. Uh-huh. I mean, we had a guy with his two daughters digging their own graves so at the bottom of the thing with his wife dead in the trunk. That was disturbing. The biggest thing that creeps me out here is what was Chris thinking. Yeah, I mean, most of the, most of the homicide cases that I was ever involved in, We're all like a drug guy shot another drug dealer. Not that it's like whatever, but this is so different. What was going through Chris's mind? What jam did he feel that he was in that he had to basically destroy his life?
0: Though we're trying to save the analysis and conclusions for when we're back home, so far on this road trip, here's what Jaden and I are thinking. And it's not a conclusion yet. This is just where the evidence is pointing us. It's that at least two people know what happened to Edea Shabani. Chris Spotts, and his biological father, Chris Merez. And both of them were likely involved, in some way, in hiding her body here.
3: Why would Big Chris help? Like, do you think he would just say, I'll help you because I'm the man?
0: Say, Dad, I got myself in some trouble. Yeah. This girl, she's trying to blob, do all these things. Like, I'm trying to do everything with her dad. I need your help. I don't know. Why would you risk her everything for her to help her son like that?
3: We've heard stories of, right, yeah. violence with women.
4: Yep.
0: Father-son bonding. This was also poorly fucking planned. I mean, literally picked her up told like, a bunch of ridiculous lies. lies to everybody. And then at the same time, he's juggling. He's got Mary calling, where are you? Jade, I mean, I would, Jade
3: saying, how could you do this to Mary? I would, like he's got all, all this pressure going on. I would lose my mind. No, that's true. Like, And he was calling his mom yep. to try and get her to smooth things over. Yep. Yeah, he was just juggling so much stuff. Yeah, It's just crazy.
0: As long as we're speculating... I asked Jaden who he thought gave the police the tip that led to finding Adea's body here.
3: I doubt there's anybody driving here at, you know, 1 o'clock in the morning.
0: Yep. I mean, that could have been the tip. Hey, I saw a car out here. And then they returned the next day and found it in the daytime. I guess her boot was sticking out. I, mean, I
3: heard the same thing, but I just assumed. See, so you just saw the grave and how shallow it was. So, does that bring into the realm of possibility that somebody saw it? Are we all the way back? Are we back to the road? Almost? I think so. Yeah.
0: Soon, Jaden is back at the bend in the road where Chris's phone lost signal, and while it could have been a fluke or a wrong turn that led Chris down this road when leaving his father's house, as we resume analyzing his data we learn that it wasn't. Because just after 3 a.m., Chris spots' his Google tracking turns back on, and his car is on the same road, exiting the Spenceville Wildlife Area and returning to the main street where his father lives.
3: But then he didn't go back, so does that mean he didn't drop Chris Merez off? Because it would have showed him back at Chris Merez at some point.
0: Once Chris hits the main road, instead of turning back to his father's house, he turns in the opposite direction and heads towards Sacramento. So he, here's what he did. He's running low on gas. We'll have to check the mileage on his car, but literally he filled it up way back. And we have no other stops since. And uh, and so he's probably like literally on empty and wants to find a gas station, but like has to wait to turn on his phone to find a gas station until at least he's a couple miles away and we'll see where he turned on his phone. Right. Right? 20 minutes down the road, Chris stops at a Chevron station and uses a credit card for the first time. Putting eleven dollars in gas on Mary's credit card. Should we go ahead and ask the ask?
3: Yeah. This is right after it happened. Yep. Like this is literally like. Yeah. This was moments. Hey, how you doing, sir? Hey, you got a question for you? Uh,
0: Jaden gets the name and number of the gas station manager to follow up with later, and then we continue following Chris's route to his next stop, the Super Eight Motel in North Sacramento, where Chris stays for just a couple of minutes. After entering the reception area, we quickly realized that Chris left the motel because it was too seedy and run down and went to the nicer La Quinta Inn nearby.
3: And this is the closest decent, decent place. Yeah. yeah. If I've pulled off the freeway mm-hmm. and I'm in the stress mode that he's in, mm-hmm. you wanna you're not gonna get back on and drive somewhere else.
0: At 404 a.m., Chris pulls into La Quinta Inn and Suites in North Sacramento. He enters his room twelve minutes later. And appears to go to sleep around 4:55 a.m., ending what must have been one of the longest days of his life. And what we can now say with a reasonable degree of certainty was the last day of a day's life.
3: All right, should we check in here and talk to him? Yes,
0: do it. Yeah. Chapter 28: The Rolex. Just before 7 a.m. on the morning of February 24th, 2018, the day after Chris took a on that fateful drive, Mary wakes up in a panic in North Hollywood. Chris hasn't returned her calls from the night before, and she has no idea where he is. She goes through their shared phone and credit card bills to find him, and she discovers that he's not in, or even really near, Gilroy, California, as he told her.
2: I couldn't get in touch with him at all. And um, he had access to my credit cards and that's what he was using. So there was a charge for, you know, they hold your credit card for a room. That was the pending charge that kind of like, hey, he's in Sacramento, it's probably at his death. So, and I did call his dad that morning. He said the same thing to me that he did to Jade about that he was only here for 15 minutes and that he didn't stay with him. And then he did say that they got into a fight and he didn't stay there that night. And he did ask me for Adea's number. I don't recall in what context. It was more like, hey, I don't know where he is. I haven't been able to get in touch with him. I'm really worried about him. He's been really suicidal lately. So he asked for her number, I guess, to try and reach out to her. I don't know. I don't know what his purpose was.
0: You want to know what his purpose was? Yeah. The purpose was to pretend like he thought Adea was still alive.
2: I think, I think you're probably right. None of us can figure out, like, why Chris didn't stay with him, or Chris didn't stay with Chris Merez, and why he wasn't there. Like, that, that part doesn't make sense to me at all.
0: Not only did Chris-Botts never take Mary to visit his biological father during the entirety of their four-year relationship, but this was the first time Mary had even spoken with Chris Merez. As for Chris Merez, as you may recall, he already had Adia's phone number because Adea gave it to him two days before her disappearance when she reached out to him on Facebook looking for Chris Spots. Around 7.30 a.m. after speaking with Chris Merez, Mary, concerned, asked the hotel to do a welfare check on Chris Spots. They wake him up and he calls Mary right away. They speak for nine minutes and he tells her that he went to see his father instead of going to Gilroy so that he could understand himself better and why he cheated. After hanging up with Mary, Chris Spatz immediately calls Chris Morez for three minutes, then checks out of the hotel. I just got a text from Mary who said, uh, number only appeared that month I sent you. That one number he called? We gotta figure that out. This is where Jaden and I resume following Chris's route. But first, we have a phone call to make we need to know who the 424 number that Chris was repeatedly calling in the middle of the night belongs to, what that person knows, and if they were involved in any way. So we try it again.
2: Your call has been forwarded to an automated voice messaging system. Is not available. The mailbox is full and cannot accept
0: any... Damn, okay. I save the number, and plan to just keep trying it. We head down to the hotel lobby and ask about their security camera footage. So far, we've struck out everywhere due to the fact that most places don't store these recordings for more than 30 days.
3: Good morning. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Yeah. It's Tony. Hey Tony, how are you? Hey, we're, uh, I'm an investigator. We're looking into uh, didn't happen here, but a homicide that happened up a little bit further north. The one of the suspects. Short, oh,
1: the, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, did. Yeah, uh, the right. Spots.
3: spots. Yeah. Yeah. Did uh, LAPD get footage from yes. here when they did? Okay, all
0: right, good. And they came and copied that off of his flash drive. Out of the flash drive. Great. Okay. Do you still have the flash drive here? Yes.
3: Oh, good. Is it possible to get a copy of that? To have your flash drive? Oh, sure, yeah, okay. I do. You guys have to have your own.
0: There are 10 different cameras showing 10 different slightly grainy angles of Chris and his truck. We see him check into the hotel wearing the same hoodie, jeans, and bomber jacket he was wearing in the elevator with Adia. except his sneakers have now been replaced by boots. And we see him check out wearing the same clothing, except the hood on his sweatshirt is now over his head. Jaden points out that if Chris doesn't have a change of clothes, and he probably didn't bring a suitcase for the night. And we see Chris's Toyota Tacoma in the parking lot. Close enough to notice there's nothing in the bed of the pickup truck, but the footage is too low resolution to see the condition of the truck. It doesn't appear to be excessively dirty though, which is notable because of what we discover is Chris's next stop. Okay, so I think next stop, I think next stop, the car wash the car wash is basically a block away from the hotel. And although Chris was driving down a dirt road the night before, and the car is likely dusty or even a little muddy, it seems like a suspicious first stop on the morning after you're suspected of murdering someone. So Chris washes his car, drives back there. So he's not planning on returning to the site because he's washed his car. Right. After leaving Bubba's car wash, Chris drives back to his father's house. When we spoke to Chris Merez, he did tell us that his son returned in the morning to get his sneakers. Chris stays there, though, for half an hour. According to the Google data, Chris Spots appears to remain in and around his truck the whole time.
2: Yeah, and he had told me that Chris Merez, I think, gave him cash when he was there as well.
0: Oh, he we said Chris Marez gave him cash.
2: Yeah, for the way back. Because I asked him, like, because I didn't see, I didn't see the gas stations on there. But again, maybe I was just crazy and didn't see what, what was in front of my face.
0: We try Chris Morez a few more times.
3: I mean, we left a message last time. I don't feel like he's going to be responsive unless he calls back. It's just weird that he calls
0: back. Like, you know what I mean? And when there's still no answer, we continue on our route. You
3: don't want to do a drop-by? No. Okay. The stopping by unannounced is heavy.
0: After Chris Spotts leaves his biological father's house, he goes to Raj's Mini Market in Wheatland and appears to get gas. What's odd is that he stays in this area for 20 minutes, but his Google GPS cuts out, so it's not clear where else he goes. There's also a car wash here, so he could have gone to the car wash. How far away is the car wash? I mean, it's right here, and there's the mini mart. Same kind of like little area. Oh, uh, well, he might
3: have gone to the car wash. The car wash was actually closer to where he dropped, right? And that's what it looks like, yeah. Oh, so he probably went to the car wash. Man, he's washing his car like, Yeah, if he did, So would we'll have to find
0: the... out. Instead of taking the same route home that he took to his dad's, the I-5, Chris Spotts takes another road back to Los Angeles, Highway 99 and his first stop is a very unlikely one. He pulls off the highway in Florin, California, and drives out of the way to go to a somewhat squalid, desolate mini mall.
3: But basically, we're looking for 6618 Florin, which is gonna be this this crappy rundown shopping center right here. Dude, this is it. This is where he stopped. I mean, there's nothing, no, no reason to stop here.
0: This is insane.
3: Why would he come here? I don't know, I don't get a lot of pedicures. Do they, would they be able to remove
0: dirt? I don't know. (laughs) I mean, you would just wash your hands. Just wash your your hands just get a a, scrubber. Yeah.
3: Okay, Garla Palace Eyebrow Pedi, no. Samosa Garden, you gotta really want a samosa. All right, cleaners, one day, one hour, I would think would be good, but no. Hair salon, no.
2: So the only thing that he mentioned to me, which I kind of talked him out of, was possibly the pawn shop. And that was regarding the Rolex. And that Rolex I know he had after the fact, so I don't know if like, he thought maybe and then changed his mind. I mean, I know according to Chris, he said that his dad gave him some money. So maybe he gave him something to pawn or actual cash. I don't know, but this is, the pawn shop is the only thing that I can think that maybe he went in or thought about but I don't know the reason for it. Cause he still had that watch.
0: When Adela left her apartment, she had a, a red suitcase, uh, and two like designer black versus handbags. Did she did, did did he say did she leave the car with all her stuff except for the yes. watch? Yeah. So she left the car with everything but the watch. Mm-hmm. Jaden and I follow Chris's footsteps into the pawn store and ask them if they saw Chris spots or have any surveillance video of that day.
3: Hey, how hi, Doug. Uh, we're investigators looking into a uh, missing persons homicide case that happened uh, up north. Okay. I wonder if you've yeah. ever seen this
0: guy. It would have been around this time on February 24th. On a Saturday. Uh, and he likely, we definitely know he had a Rolex that he was trying to sell.
3: No, I didn't have any Rolexes come through at all. Yeah. I yeah. don't
0: remember seeing any Rolexes? Or, no, I don't uh, give a in this neighborhood. Not
3: to. Okay. Uh,
0: and he could have made me, uh, the other thing is he could have come in and said, oh, you know, what's the process for pawning stuff? Mm-hmm. And do you take someone's ID when you pawn, when they pawn something? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's why well, I checked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so, yeah. so he might have. Even when
3: I heard the last name, that's pretty
2: odd name. It's a possibility to be asked yeah. You uh-huh. know? I mean, we get. People I mean, sometimes we them. get real busy,
3: and there's you know five or six people in. And
2: exactly, and, and
3: then yeah. they come in, and then they leave too. I've had people yeah. do that too. So.
0: Yeah, and it is but a Saturday.
3: My camera's not working. I, I roll it. I roll it back. Oh, that, that would be great.
0: Yeah. And it wasn't was it working February twenty third. It wasn't working. No, early. I've
3: got a new one. I I keep on trying to get my yeah. son to come down and hook up, and it's not. Yeah.
0: All right. Cool. All, all right. 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 Thank you guys. Yeah. I appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, guys. for yeah, totally. All yeah. All yeah right. Thank you. Good Chris's drive from Adaya's house to his father's with the two gas station stops and the one suspicious driveway stop took him seven hours. This drive home, just from the moment he leaves his father's house, takes over nine hours.
3: i got a question. I'm an investigator looking into a missing person.
0: This is because he makes at least 11 stops that I can confirm along the way.
3: I'm just wondering if you pulled footage.
0: No? And he doesn't use his or Mary's credit card at any of these stops.
3: Hey, how you doing? Hey, I'm an investigator looking into...
0: They're mostly gas stations. And as Jaden and I drive back...
3: Hey, how you doing, sir? I'm uh, an investigator looking into... uh...
0: We stop at each one and examine Chris's movements.
3: Have you heard anything about this or has uh, any other law enforcement agency been in to
0: talk about it? No? As for Chris's phone calls, he only speaks with two people after leaving his father's, his mother, Jade, and Mary. In fact, He speaks with Mary more than 10 times, and he doesn't text anyone on the ride home. Where Chris's stops off the freeway on the way to his father's house were very purposeful, on the way back, he seems to meander around the town at many of the stops.
3: What's the other thing, Yeah, I mean, he's going to gas stations, like nobody nobody stops at gas stations over and over again. So he's got no plausible story for that. And every gas station has tons of security cameras.
0: Two of these stops in particular stand out. The first is in Turlock, California. He did some crazy shit at Turlock. I don't know what the hell's going on here. the? Oh, we stopped at a car wash. There's our car wash. Here he goes to the Main Street car wash. And if he's washing his car for a second time in one day, or possibly a third time, this is beyond suspicious. The second is in Selma, California. At the Star One Mart there, he appears to walk around the gas station to the dumpsters behind the store. He then returns to his truck and then back to the dumpsters again. Jaden believes the reason for all these stops is that Chris Botts is slowly unloading all of Adea's possessions. Her bags, their contents, her neck pillow, piece by small piece.
3: So why is he doing this? Why are you doing all these little
0: stops? Yeah, like why not just throw the shit on the side of the highway? Because on the side of the highway, I mean, you gotta put it somewhere where it's gonna disappear from sight.
3: You're looking at risk-reward. It's going to disappear from sight, but you're going to get caught on camera
0: doing it. Versus it... Right, but who's going to be looking at these cameras here in his mind? Like, he thinks he's footloose and fancy-free. No one's watching him. He doesn't know he's being tracked by Google. After three more gas station stops, Chris finally returns to the home he shares with Mary in North Hollywood at 7.45 p.m. on the night of February 24th. And his trip and whatever may have happened on it, is done. When Chris came home, was he, was he just exhausted?
2: He was exhausted, and I mean, of course, we were still kind of fighting. Pretty sure I made him sleep on a dog bed, too, that night. But again, like the next morning, we still went to church together.
0: Chapter 29, The Accomplice. I'm about to call the mysterious four two four number that, that Chris called right before he went down that long trail where a day's body was found. Call has been
2: forwarded to an automated voice messaging system.
0: What if it's like deactivated or something? The call to the four two four number goes directly to voicemail without even ringing this time. Now that we're back in Los Angeles. There's a lot to do to research and follow up on the information that Jaden and I have discovered. For starters, I reach back out to the owner of Annawalt Lumber and he emails me immediately. Sorry to say, he responds, that I showed everyone who worked on that day the picture of the guy in question and no one can remember his face. Also, no credit card transactions for either of the names. I ask him to look for cash receipts from that time and then I take stock of where I stand as of now, on what happened to Edea Shabani. Which is that I believe she was bludgeoned to death somewhere in Wheatland and then buried in the Spenceville Wildlife Area on the night of February 23rd. And that two or possibly three people know what happened. Chris Spots, Chris Merez, and possibly the owner of the 424 burner phone that Chris Spots called that night. One of the first things Jaden and I want to do is share the information we have so far with Adea's loved ones, as well as with Chris's loved ones. Jorna, yeah. 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 do you want a sushi, by the way? Yeah, I it's
1: yeah. so good. Sushi is her favorite food.
0: Our first visit is to Nora, Adea's mom. When we arrive to see her, we find her sitting with Ada's ex-boyfriend, Ivan. I'm trying to tell what's true and what's not. Tell me what you think, and you, you guys would know better. I don't think she really loved him. I think she just got obsessed because she was trying to figure out all his lies.
1: I mean, she loves people, <laughs> you know? You, she doesn't get into relationship for selfish reasons. She always wants to give something, that's for sure. And this is the reason that even after she gets out of relationship, she stays in touch with people. There is nothing um, calculated with her. Yeah. So even if she didn't love him, she would have seen a reason to be with him, to help him, to do something. And then she gets fed up and then she moves on, but she still stays connected, you know? She stays connected with everyone.
0: Jaden shares the information we've collected so far with Nora, and she listens attentively.
1: Chronologically, what happened? He left from
0: here. Ivan interrupts from time to time, with his thoughts and opinions.
1: Washed the car, headed back to LA, and then he was-
0: Nora updates us on her conversations with the police and what they've been doing. And I realized that one of the factors that complicated this investigation from the beginning, and even to this day, has been misinformation supplied by Chris Marez.
1: The same thing that Chris Marez told us, he told the police, basically saying that he has a friend who is who has been with him all of his life and he calls brother and he could be the accomplice. This is our assumption.
0: Nora is referring to Chris Botts' friend, Brian. And I tell her that I met Brian at Chris's funeral and have spoken to him several times since. And Brian actually left LA before a day's disappearance. So he couldn't possibly be an accomplice. And not only that, he'd been distancing himself from Chris Botts over the last year because it seemed to him like Chris Botts was getting lost in ego and ambition in LA. Jaden and I then share our thoughts and suspicions about Chris Marez, as well as information about the mysterious 424 calls in Sam Marez.
1: No, but this makes sense. This uncle that you mentioned, it could have been this uncle, because you remember when we called Chris Marez? Chris Marez told us, that his brother is city council member, not a criminal. <laughs> Maybe he has another brother. So this story, as you said, will go on, on podcast with episodes, and then? Uh, so yeah, we'll go on with the podcast over several
0: episodes. So hopefully, hopefully people really yeah. connect to the story. And uh, I guess I was gonna ask you, what are your, some of your goals, and I'll make sure that...
1: I don't know, long term, I would like to keep the memory. I mean, I want to describe her the way she was. And uh, I think the story is going to resonate with many people in the world.
0: In the days that follow, I keep trying that 424 number. I try it from a block number. I try it from a 424 area code. I try it from a burner phone. And then one day, just when I'm beginning to worry that I'll never find out who that number belongs to, I'm at home in Los Angeles, working with Alex. We're preparing for a new interview with Chris Morez, now that we have all this information. And I try that number again. Should I try to call it for fun? Yeah. Just Any a pair? random phone number. Not my own phone number then? No. Mm-hmm.
4: I guess you can do your own phone number. Would you want that number to have your number? Yeah, just use that. <clears throat> <clears throat>
0: Make sure you tune in next week to the season finale of To Live and Die in LA. We plan to release it on Friday, May 17th. And there are a lot of people we need to prepare for it behind the scenes. If you've been listening, and you've been sitting on information and wondering whether you should reach out to us, now's the time. You can call us completely anonymously at 213-204-2073. Or email us at live die LA at tenderfoot tv. To live and die in LA has been a production of Tenderfoot TV and me, Neil Strauss, in conjunction with Cadence Thirteen. The executive producers of this podcast are myself, Donald Albright, and Payne Lindsey, along with producers Alex Vespested and Mike Rooney. The music and score. You've heard in this podcast is my makeup and vanity set. Our theme song is Love and War by Flurry and our show art and design are by Trevor Eiler. You can follow us on social media at live die LA Pod. Or you can find our website with bonus content at livedieLA.com. The editing is by Alex Vespested, with additional mixing by Resonate Recordings. Special thanks to Rich Burner Kevin Richter, Chris Corcoran, Orrin Siegel, Ryan Fishback, Orrin Rosenbaum at UTA, Eric Lin at Shangri-La, and the Nord Group. Thank you for listening and for your support.